0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of No Life Like Show Life with what I think is quite a popular topic because whenever I ask for training advice or articles I should do on the show life, people always request trail. It seems to be the one class that most people can agree on and that it's why it's our topic today. And I'm so happy to have a guest in my podcast who has Much, much, much more knowledge about this event than I do. Welcome, Arne Kuhn. Arne, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do?
1: Hi, Leonie. First of all, thank you for the invitation to be on your podcast. It's been a long time coming and I'm happy that we finally get to make it. My name is Arne Kuhn. I'm uh, from Berlin. I was born and raised here and decided to run my business, my training, showing business from Berlin as well. Yeah. I'm happy to be
0: here. I'm happy to join me. And as you said, it, it's it been a long time coming, but we finally made it. And I'm really glad. Can you tell a little bit more about your training operation? Like how many horses do you currently have in training and what do you generally offer?
1: Sure. So at the moment I have four horses in training, which is pretty close to the maximum that I normally do. Uh, most of the time I keep around five horses in full-time training and then I do a lot of clinics on the weekends so i travel around i love to work with new people so it's always very much exciting for me to get to new places just as much as it's of course very rewarding if you go back to a certain place or a certain barn and work with the same people again and see them progress over the time furthermore uh, i'm very much into showing i really really enjoy being in the show and competing with other trainers other writers because of course there's some other amateurs and youth writers as well that are very very competitive and also show in the open classes so that's basically what I'm specialized in or what I'm what I'm offering training showing clinics I do give a, a few lessons around here sometimes people come over to my place for lessons but uh, generally I think the area where I'm at is not as big in the in the western writing industry so i think that's why the lesson part i would say is like the the smallest part of what i'm doing
0: so you're quite a busy man
1: (laughs) (laughs) pretty much yeah
0: yeah but can you tell me and our listeners how you got involved with horses and especially western riding in the first place because You just like me are some of the few people that have not been in this industry for I don't know 20 years.
1: Sure, so I got into horses through my older sister, she's nine years older than me. So, by the time that I was a a toddler, I don't know, like uh, very small still, uh, she was very involved in vaulting and rode as well. So, through her, I got into horses in general, and then I started vaulting when I think I was five years old, and then uh, riding, but mostly trail riding when I was around seven, I would say I stuck to the horses. I didn't really stuck to the vaulting. I kind of liked it. I was a gymnast in my school days as well. So it kind of matched both things like the horses and the gymnastics, but yeah, I didn't really get caught by, by vaulting. And then I got too tall and I kind of lost lost interest, but I stuck to the horses. I stuck to the riding. I started taking proper dressage lessons when I was 11. And then by the time that I was 18, I think I met my then boyfriend, emilko Miller, who was very much involved with uh, quarter horses. That's how I actually got interested in Western riding. Yeah, he was basically my first contact in the quarter horse industry, although now, of course, he's in the States. But I think. A lot of your listeners still know him from the time when he was still here. So I got into the Western writing, into especially into the portal horses. I've done paints as well, and I'm doing the Appaloosas now as well. But mostly at the portal horses. In 2000, I don't want to say anything wrong. I think it was 2008 <laughs> or nine. It was 2008, right before my 18th birthday. So it was 2008 so what I mean math is definitely not my thing that's like what 14 years ago is it that long
0: probably probably because (laughs) I'm not good at math so yeah maybe (laughs) oops (laughs) but I think it's
1: it's not 20 years but it's it's quite some time now
0: yeah, it just, you know, to me, it doesn't feel that long because I still feel like I'm 18, but that's a different topic.
1: Yeah, me too, in a way.
0: <laughs> I think the vaulting part is so cool because I feel like you learn so much precision and I don't know how to say it, but the athletic aspect of being on a horse from a totally different perspective and angle. But I imagine it helps you with your riding today, does it? Um, Well...
1: I think so, in general. You know, it's like, even when I started writing, I rode without a saddle. So basically just bareback into the woods for three or four years. And I think it's kind of like the same thing with the vaulting. You've got to be very balanced and you really have to understand how does your balance and your being on the horse actually works out with how the horse moves and how do you really get like stuck on the horse without having a especially a western saddle to grab on or something so you really have to find your center and really I mean of course by the time that I was still doing gymnastics and vaulting I was very flexible that's definitely all gone but yeah I, I clearly think and I'm, I mean it's like I can take the saddle of any of my horses any day and probably perform almost on the same degree of difficulty where I'm at when I show or ride in a saddle so I think that's definitely something that goes back to the to the vaulting and the bareback wood riding crazy days
0: when I was little I think that's so cool to be honest because I could never do it I would be just like this sack figure on the horse if someone asked me to vault (laughs)
1: I'm sure it's not that bad but I mean I know you've seen it and maybe some of your listeners have seen me and Joey at last year's Europeans. Just before I entered the class, we decided to take off the saddle and the bridle and just give it a try. And he was perfect. So
0: (laughs) yeah, yeah, I remember that. And I think it's actually like a really good shift from this topic to our actual topic. I think you probably have to introduce Joey because not everybody might know who you mean by that.
1: Joey is a worst... I met when he was, I think, about three days old. He was an orphan. He lost his mother. And the people that I was working for at that time lost a foal just a few days after Joey's birth. So Joey's breeders brought him over and we tried it out. And actually, the mayor of the Fisher family adopted Joey. So that's how I got to know him. And then just uh, five years later... Sophie the owner of Joey decided to bring him to my place for training so that's how five years later I met this little baby foal that I still remembered from his very early days being a quite big but still full <laughs> by the time that he got to mine and we spent the last five years showing together
0: and you've been successful together can you tell our listeners about yeah, some of your highlight achievements with him. I think
1: my personal biggest win with Joy was definitely the Golden Series Trail. First of all, it's one of the most prestigious classes, of course. Joy's been, uh, for me, a tough ride, not because he's a tough horse, but because I don't know, I always felt like we had some bad luck with something at every voice show like nothing really bad we've always done pretty good but I've always felt like there was this little thing that was always missing and then I remember for the last I don't know years before I actually won the Golden Series Trail on Joey I was always trying to get qualified for the finals and either I didn't make the finals or I don't know the horse that I qualified was then lame, or for some other reason, it never really worked out for me with the Golden Series finals. So the year that I was showing Joey, first of all, I won the Limited Trail on You Bet I'm Hot, who's owned by the Schmidt family, just minutes before I had to go in with Joey, and then it actually all just fell into place. So Joey was perfect that day. Like we didn't have a we d- we did have a good show. It was his first senior year, and we've done okay. Um, but by the time that we entered the Golden Series finals, I was really nervous, which I'm not very often. I kind of left that behind. But by the time we went in, I was really nervous. Like my hand with the reins was shaking. And I I was kind of expecting to mess it up. I was so lucky winning the limited trail that I was not really expecting. Two great things going in with Joey. But everything challenge place. I remember we went, we had to go in and uh, kind of like a circle jog over and you can even see it on the video. Like I go over the jog overs and I feel that he's there 120%. So I drop my hand, I drop my reins. You really see like the reins go longer <laughs> the minute I relax. And he just delivered every single step it was perfect. And yeah, I remember coming out of the trail course. And we all knew it was good, but you never really know until the results are out. And I think our entire barn group team was just jumping off Joy. So that was absolutely amazing.
0: Yes, I actually remember the picture. I wasn't there, sadly, but I remember the pictures. And I think from my perspective that Joey was probably the horse or at least one of the horses who brought you to the trail pen on a whole different level, if I can say that. Because before, I always had the impression that you were a great... Rider in all the events, especially actually for me, the Western pleasure, but the time you got on Joey, I felt like you really stepped up your trail game. Is that something you would agree on or am I totally wrong?
1: No, you're pretty close. (laughs) Let's put it that way. I must say I've always liked the trail. I was always very interested in it and I really wanted to learn it, but I think it's the same for every writer, you know, like you, at some point you start out with a new thing or a new event or whatsoever. And then of course you see other writers, or even you take some lessons and you have an idea of where you want to go and you try and you just don't get there. So it just takes time or a different kind of support from somebody or um, something like that. And I must say for me, the bubble really popped when I had Whitney Legacy over in the winter of 2016. And I rode in a clinic with her on three different horses. That Two of them barely knew any trail. And the third one was the Secret Coach, who then went on to win a lot in Western Pleasure, in the trail, and now I think with Dazzy, he won in the Western Riding at the Q21. So that's a very popular horse that a lot of people probably no and he was one of those three horses that I really learned my trail game on so that was the year before I got Joey Joey came to mine in 2017 so the year after I finally found my way and started understanding what trail really means to me and how I want to do it and especially which to me it has always been very very important to learn what I don't want to do so like the the actual pet peeves of like this is something i don't want to do i don't want to see it i don't want to feel it and so all that happened in 2016 on via secret code one dream of crimson and just Too fancy those were the three horses that they were there in the time and i got to practice a lot with them and then i still had the feedback from whitney when i showed her videos of my horses and training or showing So that really was the year where I was like okay this is it now I finally understand it and from there on, I would say just. My confidence about the trail just went up and, of course, the more confident you get about certain things, the easier they get for you, because you don't have to think about it too much you don't have to worry about it too much it just. kind of gets a very natural thing to do so, by the time that Joey came he came from the given means, so he had a great start on him. She won the Futurity Trail on him the year before I got him, and it took me a little while to figure her riding out and to figure him out. And by the time that we actually figured out each other, Joanna and I really grew into a very good and, I think, very competitive team.
0: Absolutely. And it's important that you mention it because I actually kind of already forgot about that. Yeah, do your research, I know. But (laughs) it's kind of interesting to see how it all evolved and how your trail career came along. What is it that you love about the class?
1: Well, there's obviously a lot of things about trail that I like. Um, (laughs) It's really hard to pick something to begin with. It's kind of like what I like about the showmanship as well. It's like you can really do it with every horse. It's something you can do with any horse from maybe not the greenest, greenest one, but like as soon as they know their gates and the steering, and you can basically start working on poles, which I wouldn't call proper trail, but like, I mean, at some point you start working with poles and one day you find yourself in a trail class. So as I said before, you can do it with any horse, any rider, any level. Of course, there's a certain limit to to everyone and to every horse. So you need to be realistic and you need to find your way, not every horse works the same, not every rider works the same. Some people are more technically, some are more, how can you say like they go more after their feelings. It's always a little different. It's always very exciting to figure out how am I going to do this, like which horse needs more help or different help or how do I approach the poles on this horse or that horse. And then, of course, for me as a trainer, it's always very exciting as well to then teach people like, I, I love teaching the horses the trail. It's besides, I would say, the lead changes. Definitely my favorite thing is the trail. There's so many different things to work on. There's so many stuff that you can focus on. You can find something, something for every horse, I would say. Like, we talked about Joey before. To me, Joey was, has always been amazing in the low over pretty good in the jog overs, and And he, he just didn't like the slow stuff. He would do it. He would always do it but he just really didn't like it. And then there's other horses where, I don't know, maybe they're not as good of a loper. Maybe they don't have the natural idea of how to hold themselves over the poles or how to approach a pole. Or with joy at some point, you could just like lope off and let the poles come towards you and just wait for it. While if you were to do a backup or the gate, or you could always tell like he was doing it because he is such a good boy, but he was never really liking it. Um, but the other way around, there's like some other horses, they're amazing in the slow stuff, but not as good in, for example, the overs. So that's something I really like about the trail. Like you can really work on your strengths and make up for your weaknesses, like your own or your horse's weaknesses. And then for me, as, um, as I said before, for me as a trainer, it's very rewarding and very exciting to then teach other people My way of doing trail, which most of the time I feel like I'm mostly just trying to take the pressure off of them and their horses. So it's very fun, really, to look at people and look at horses and really every single time find a new way that still goes with my way for every single horse and rider.
0: That's really cool. But I actually like to rephrase my question from before Is there something you don't like about trail?
1: Well, what i really don't like about the trails when the course is set up poorly and that's the worst thing to me oh yeah you i agree kind of, <laughs> and you just kind of try to survive because you can't like distance is wrong or the turns are just not really doable or that's what i don't like about the trail the very most i would say
0: yeah i absolutely agree i think it's even worse to watch if the flow isn't right you know i mean i don't ride trail at the moment so i only watch it but I actually hate it when you can see that people are struggling to find kind of a rhythm and a flow through the pattern.
1: Absolutely, I 100% agree. And for me, that's what I look at when I when I want to look up to somebody who's like really good at the trail. Of course, I watch the Congress or the World Show. And if you have the good riders and voices, they're basically floating through the trail. And I mean, the trail courses are insanely hard these days. But it's still, if it's done well and if it's set up well, it's as you said, like you mentioned the word flow, you're just floating around through and over the, the maneuvers. And that's how it should be. It shouldn't be who gets to jump over some kind of wooden things on the ground without touching them. That's not what trail is about <laughs> for me. And so, And
0: <laughs> Kind of retro.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Like to me, that's very old fashioned. So really it shouldn't be the horse that wins that just doesn't touch. It should be the course or the the team that has the best performance. Yes, absolutely.
0: And I think it's kind of interesting that you mentioned the courses at the Congress and the World Show, because they exactly show how the class has developed throughout the years or you even have to say decades, right? Because back then, like in the early days of trail, it was more like a yeah, like a natural trail with wooden logs and more like spooky obstacles in a way. And today, yeah. You, yeah. And today, you have these like really elaborate pole courses that are so much based on the rhythm of the horse and the whole performance of them, and them being attentive and watching where they go and having the right rhythm and cadence to perform at this level.
1: Absolutely agreed. And especially you mentioned the word cadence, and that's about it in the trail. Like you really just want to see them very cadence and very nicely and. What I like about the trail is that it's so precise, like if I go into a very tough pattern, I have every step planned, like I'm still there, I can still adjust, it doesn't always 100% work out. But most of the times when I show on the on the bigger circuits here, like, especially at the Europeans or, or Athens, when we get to show in Tim's patterns, every single step is planned every single step and that's what i like so much about it and what really pays off in the end it's like you go in and you gotta have a game plan to really really come out on top like not even winning but like with a top performance you know
0: yeah and still it takes so much focus you know like at least for me I think we did a clinic at some point a few years ago and you set up like yeah, five spooky. polls or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there were like five poles, and I was struggling so hard to keep my focus for only those five polls. So I cannot really imagine what it's like to write the whole course. What do you do to stay alert throughout the whole course?
1: Well, that's a tough question, really. Um... I always try, like when I walk the course and especially when it's harder courses, I sometimes walk them like two or three times or just the maneuvers that I find very challenging a couple of times. And I really work one thing after the other. So what is very important to me and what I'm trying to to teach to my riders is to really stay in the moment, like stay with yourself, stay with the horse and don't think ahead. I mean, don't think backwards as well, because some people, like, if they make a little mistake and their minds get stuck with the mistake. That would be me. um, (laughs) Yeah, but it's true. Like, if you think about something that's already happened, it's over. You can't change it. It, It's not worth thinking about it. Like, do your best in the rest of the course. And sometimes you still come out on top. It's like I remember I had a big mistake with Joey. And the second time I showed him in the Golden Series, he almost fell over a pole and he came out second. And I was like, this was the first maneuver. And I was like, okay, wow, what a beginning. And we still came out second, even though we came in really badly, but made up for it in the rest of the course. So yeah, as I said, like really try and stay in the moment with yourself, with your horse, and don't think further than the next pole. I think this is the biggest advice that I can give, is like never think further than the next pole The next maneuver, the next pole, the next pole. It's just simple. Stay with yourself. Don't look up, don't look around. It's just you, your horse, and the next pole.
0: I think that's a very good point because I personally tend to make that mistake in every class. (laughs) So it's really important. I think that's actually something many people struggle with. So, yeah, really good piece of advice. You just talked about teaching other people, teaching horses to trail? What's the first thing you teach people who come for training or come to a clinic, come to coaching? What's the first thing you teach them if they don't know trail at all?
1: Well, I barely really have any people that come and have never tried doing pulls or something like that. But what I look at for the very first time is always like I let them warm up and then I let them jog and load simple things like two or three pools, nothing crazy. I have like a one obstacle that I built on every clinic. Every time somebody wants or some people want to do the trail, I have one thing that I always set up. So there's this one obstacle that I built on every single clinic that really helps me to figure out what do people need to work on, what needs the horse to be worked on and stuff like that. So it's just like jog, lope over the poles. I watch it. I, I stop them. I tell them what I like, what I don't like. And then most of the time, what I think what's like the most common mistake is that people don't know their lines. So they they just approach a pole and they don't know their lines and their distances. So they make things a lot harder for themselves and for their horses without even knowing it. And then they get frustrated and they do it again and again and again. And they don't think about, okay, if I do a wider turn or a sharper turn, how does that actually of course, change my line obviously, but also change my distance and change how I get to the first pole. If I come on a diagonal line to the first pole, but then after it, there's a curve or a straight line, and I change my line over the first pole, that's something I would always try not to. So, I always want to get myself, my horses, and the people that ride with me to the first pole while the horse's shoulders are exactly aligned with the first pole. And that to me is one thing that basically on every clinic and a lot with um, the coaching, that's the biggest thing. So people just get too focused on the poles and what's happening after the first pole. While no matter how hard the obstacle is, the first pole is always the most important in every obstacle for me.
0: I think it's really interesting that you just talked about common mistakes because you kind of took away my question. But there's other (laughs) obstacles in the trail course than poles. And I feel like as someone who does clinics and coaching, you get to see a lot of people. So what are other common mistakes that people make?
1: Well, I would say probably about the speed. So sometimes you have people that just like rush through things. it's always prettier to look at when things... A little bit like chewing gum, you know, like I don't want to see somebody speed through a jog over and I don't want to see somebody speed through a backup, it has to be kind of sticky like every single step. Off the horse, no matter which gate or if it's forward or backwards or sideways or should... Okay, sideways, that's a lie because I, I like to speed up my side pass. Um, I,
0: I was just about to say that, but then I didn't because I wanted to be polite.
1: <laughs> but in general, I would always try to keep everything very sticky to the ground. So I don't want to see quick legs in no matter the maneuver. So I want the horse to drag their feet backwards very slowly through the sand when it does, I don't know, like the gait or the back up or, and it's kind of like, of course it's different, but it's the same idea when they do jog overs or loaf overs, I don't want them to like hoppity hop like a little rabbit over the poles, I want them to really put their feet on the ground remain on the ground for like the longest time that I can get them to really like put their weight on this leg and it's not necessarily about a horse that moves faster or slower or so it's like it's not the speed it's the rhythm and the ground time like how long do I keep the horse in the maneuver and of course that's different from one horse to the other Talking about Joey, he had a very long stride, especially in the lobe. And then I have this other mare that I show on the trail. You bet I'm hot, who has a very, very short stride. So, of course, style-wise, they're very different. But I still try to get them to do the same thing. Stay in the obstacle for as long and as sticky as possible.
0: I think it's interesting that you mention it, that they're different style-wise because I still feel like all of your horses have a certain style to them. And you have a certain style when riding trail that's probably a little different from many other people. You just mentioned your side pass and I had to laugh a little. Um, <laughs> but did you ever like plan to achieve a certain style or did that just happen?
1: I would say it kind of just happened. Of course, when I got into the Western Riding, into the polo Horses, someone that I was always looking up to was Mateo Sala and of course I mean there's other great writers and there's a lot of female great writers and trainers but being a guy I was trying to look for especially style wise and like how you present yourself and your body your body language on the horse. of course I was trying to like find a male or male idols So, first of all, of course, it was Matteo. And then uh, from the States, it was uh, Jason Martin and Charlie Cole. I know that Matteo worked with them, so they kind of have similarities, of course. I think they have a lot of presence on on the horse. And I think that's what I always thought about when showing, no matter the class, like when I started out in the Western Pleasure, mostly, of course, it was very important to me, like how do I present my horse, but how do I present myself as well? So like, do I look up, do I look down? You know, like what is really important Like, what do I want to see on... on, What do I enjoy seeing on other riders and trainers? And how do I want to present myself? And then I kind of like just developed through the years into how I'm doing it today.
0: I actually always feel like you have some similarities to Bruce Vickery, who I have stayed with in the States. So, yeah. Because
1: we're both tall.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably as well. But coming back to showing... Is showing in the trail different for you than in the Western pleasure or let's say the Western riding or is it like a general state of being present that's always the same?
1: I would say you're definitely right about it being a general state that I would always try, for example, to look up. It's something that, of course, in the trail you need to look down, but it's a difference if I look down on my horse and if I'm really in my own little world and if I'm really, especially being my size, If I don't sit up straight, it's just so obvious that I always look like I've got a problem. So that was something that I was always very concerned about to sit up really tall and be, the word is very present. Um, And that doesn't, of course they're showing us a little like, because the classes are different, they're showing us a little different, but in general, it's this being there in the moment. And even if it's not always gold, make it look like mold so it's like fake it till you make it really
0: <laughs> well that applies for everything i would say but Absolutely. i actually yeah i remember you telling me at a clinic that i should look down with my eyes but not with my head my like take down my chin i should just be chin up and eyes down looking on the pole. that's
1: yeah, that's that's one hundred percent correct. That's one hundred percent me. It's something I really—that's so important for me. Like, if I see people looking on their horse's necks, I always feel like there's a big problem going on, and that's something I don't want to see in the show pen. And. Then as well, it changes your body. How do you say? Like your body language, your your balance and everything. So you, what your body tells your horse changes the moment you look down. Your chin goes down. Your upper body goes down. Everything you tell your horse in that very moment completely changes. So that's a very important thing. And then if uh, if you don't mind, like coming back to Bruce Vickery, I really need to say you're right because there's a few things that I really like about Bruce and how he's showing. And I remember one thing that I 100% took from Bruce is how I work the gate. Yes, I mean, of course yes, I'm yes. I it, of course, I'm doing it my way, but it, it, I saw how Bruce did it, and I was like, this is it. This is how I want it to be done. I want it to look like
0: this. I think this episode has been a great success for me because you just said that I'm right, and I love to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true because I think the the gate is probably the one thing that you both have very much in common. Yeah, that's true. That's the main thing I think about when I see Bruce in front of my inner eye and you in front of my inner eye. Yeah, that's very true. But speaking about the courses in the US and the courses in Europe, is there something you'd like to change about the way we ride trail in Europe, we show trail, we set up the trail?
1: I mean, first of all, it's the setup. Like if the setup is not done right, you won't be able to train properly. You won't be able to show properly. It just gets to the point where you survive riding poles, which is to me a very big difference between surviving a trail class and managing or even winning a trail class. So it's the setup that's very, very important. And then in general, I mean, we have some amazing trail riders in Europe. There's no doubt about that. And I just really think that we should actually cherish that and like be very, very very um, happy with that change over the years. I think the level has really developed and there's there's really like a lot of writers that I'm happy when they're better than me because they when they're better, like, I mean, when they do not just perform better than me, but even when they place better because they're doing such a fantastic job that I really enjoy that. And then I just think it's very important that, the riders, the amateurs, the trainers, uh, the judges, everybody needs to be up to date. So I think we should just all strive to go in the same direction because this is a class that develops so quickly. The level of horses that are being bred goes up higher and better every single year, Every basically every single show. That's how it feels to me. And everybody, like all the people involved with the horses, they really need to just step up their game and it doesn't matter if it's the judge or the writer or the trainer we cannot do this how we did it 10 years ago or 15 or okay 15 years ago I wasn't in it but of course I know how how did the trail class look back in 2000 you know or how did the western pleasure I remember Ronald Clemson and the and uh, vital signs are good at the congress of course I know those videos even though it was way before my time but how everything changed over the years i I just think it's very important that everybody tries to go forward because that's something I see sometimes on certain shows that not everybody really wants to be where the class is going. So no matter if it's judges or the people that set up the course or the writers, it's developing. We can't change it and it's good. I think it really, the trail just gets better and better.
0: Yeah, I think you could say the class has aged well because I think Mm -hmm. it's gotten more popular and popular over the years. It's so crazy. I mean, think about Croyd, if there's a VWB open trail class, we do trail for at least half a day, if not longer, which shows that people absolutely love it. And I said it in the beginning, like the main thing people ask about on the show life is not Western pleasure or hunter in the saddle or showmanship. Well, it's a little bit of the showmanship, but it's always trail. It's always trail. And I think that's so cool. And I would personally trace it back to the fact that you mentioned before that basically anyone can do it. Anyone can teach their horse to a certain level, not all to the same level. But yeah, you know, you can always see some progress. And I think it's probably more satisfying for people to go into a trail class and do better than watching a Western pleasure class and realizing, okay, my horse will never compete in their class. 100%.
1: I'm fully with you. And I do believe that you're right, that that's why people off the trail. And everybody can progress in their speed, in their very own way. And that's something that's absolutely amazing about this class. I mean, that's something I like about the Western riding industry in general, that you can find some class on almost every horse, we're talking about this specific class, you can get almost every horse to a certain level in the trail where you can just tell, like, I want to do better next time. Just one tiny little bit. If I show a horse in the trail, there's always a few little things. Sometimes it's big things. Sometimes it's very big things. But there's at least always a few little things that I'm like okay I can work on this I can do better next time and then I try to work on it and sometimes it works out and sometimes it really doesn't but that's something that's so fun that you just take those little things and you just try and try and try and get better from time to time whereas for example the western pleasure of course you can get better but I think the limitations of the horses they're I don't want to say bigger but it's more like you really need like this top-notch western pleasure horse to compete in a pride show but you can have like a well-ridden nice all-around maybe even raining. i mean i remember when like most of the top amateurs at the moment when they were still youth kids they had those raining horses and they were doing amazing stuff on them like pia and leia so of course it's it's just a matter of like Proper riding and knowing yourself and your horse's um, possibilities—not even just talking about limits, but talking about possibilities and and what you can do and what you're good at—and that's really amazing about the trail.
0: Yes, and think about how they broaden the offers in trail. Like they added walk-trot classes and they added the in-hand trail, which I personally hate because I always trip over the pole. So. I feel it's kind of stupid for me, but people seem to love it. It's so popular. So basically, you could throw in poles into an arena and everybody would be there.
1: hundred percent, yes. That's what happens to me in every single clinic that I give. Of course, probably because it's me, so a lot of people come because they like the trail. But there's clinics, especially when I go to the Czech Republic, There's so many people doing the in-hand stuff and they get so excited about it. They really don't just want to lead their horses over poles. They're really trying to understand how is it technically done? What do I look at? What is important for me, my body position? Where is the horse? Like, for example, I have my horses in the in-hand trail in a totally different position than in the showmanship, which... It kind of is because of the way that I'm so tall, and I've got long arms, and I can work in a in a different way. But they're really trying to understand all those things, and I think that's amazing because trail is in the end a very technical thing. You need to have things planned. You need to know what is good, how long is my horse's stride, what are we not so good at, and just seeing people trying to understand what's happening no matter if it's on the ground or in the saddle that's really amazing and it's so rewarding to work with people for days or like with my clients over months and and years maybe and just see them get better and better and better because it never stops for (laughs) you not even for people that are very very experienced in the trail you just keep on learning and then there comes another voice so you need to adjust again and it's very exciting
0: and it's satisfying as well I think at least for me like whenever I attack something like a task or a new class and I feel like okay that's something where I can see little improvements day by day session by session it's so satisfying instead of having something where you're like either stuck or you're at the level where you feel like okay i've reached my limits like this is all i can do and i feel the trail gives you the possibility to work on single obstacles on different ways to approach them to show them and there's such a wide field of getting better so satisfying
1: it really is and just as you said, like there's so many things you can work on. For example, I always start off with uh, with the jog and lope overs because, to me personally, they're the most fun. And of course, I mean that's like the thing to get through the trail. It's mostly walk, jog, and lopes. Um, but on the other side, like once you reach a certain level, and even if you feel, for example, you feel stuck at your trot overs or your lope overs or Work on backups. Work on the gate. Work on the sidepass. The sidepass, for example, for me, and that's why I had to stop earlier. And I was—we were both laughing. Um, <laughs> the for me is, is one thing that I do believe a lot of people don't spend a lot of time on. It's like all the slow stuff, but I think it's mostly the sidepass. It's kind of like the unwanted child in the family, and it's worth doing it. When it's well done it just gives you as much credit as every other maneuver and it's really not that hard. Just figure out your things, figure out your own way and just keep on keep on practicing, especially the slow stuff. Like don't panic about it, do it as slow and as quiet as you can. Do it a million times, like there's even days that I set up the trail and I just trot and lope around the poles. And then I do the gate and I jog for a little bit just to get my horse's mind fresh and off what we've just done. And then I do the backup. So I don't necessarily always do like walk, jog and lope overs. It's sometimes there's training days for the trail where I only do the slow stuff because it's so important. And as I said, it's nowadays, I love the side sidebars. And I remember last year's, Europeans, the pattern ended with a side pass and like four walkovers or something. And I got to the side pass and I did the side pass. And the entire arena started laughing because we just, I don't know, we speeded up a little too much (laughs) and Joy just ran sideways and everybody started laughing. And even I started laughing, although it wasn't even, my class wasn't over and I really tried to stay focused, but it was just like, I asked for a little bit. He was like, okay, I'm going to do this. (laughs) And we just ran over to the side.
0: But I think it's interesting to hear like, seeing a whole course set up and you just do the distances and just go around the poles and then do the slow obstacles the slow maneuvers I think that's a very good piece of advice for everyone out there so write that down if you're listening to this (laughs) that's actually something
1: that excuse me but that I picked up I don't know if Whitney told me but it's definitely something I I remember I started right after riding with her for the first time So I don't know if it comes directly from her or if if it's just something that kind of like came up, but it really made sense for me to like, I don't know, maybe work two days on all the moving stuff and then really focus on the slow stuff.
0: Yeah, it totally makes sense. It's absolutely logical. One thing I actually like to see in the trail courses these days is the difference between a normal motion and the extended motion the extended lobe, mm-hmm. the extended jog. I just love that. I think it makes such a different degree of difficulty and it makes it so exciting and fun to watch.
1: Yeah, I agree. I really enjoy that as well. And I think it's very important that we are actually able to, well, I was going to say speed up our horses, but it's it's more about lengthening our horses' stride and then collecting the horse again, because I think it's it's just um, another level of difficulty to do it just in one frame and one speed and just like mix things up shake it up a little have some fun speed up like I remember we had the last couple of times as far as as I remember we only had like I don't know one pole in the extended loop but I remember we had in 2017 in Athens we had a track course that was like okay loop off extended lobe over five poles slow down to like collect to the normal lobe do another six poles then break down to the jog jog overs extended jog extended it was it really was like up and down back and forth and it was so much fun to show you know like just really have your horse and yourself on the spot and stay very focused and it's so much fun
0: yeah i imagine i imagine it to be really fun if you know how to do it which i don't but (laughs) <laughs> it's it's fun for me to watch. Absolutely. I think it, it spices up things in a really nice way. And, you know, it's actually kind of like a little thing if you're probably a layman and looking at it from the outside. But it's so hard to ride and so hard to tackle. Do you have some piece of advice for our listeners on how to tackle such obstacles?
1: How to tackle the obstacles that are ridden with a little bit more of a forward motion? Yes. Just do it, really. It's like figure out your things and your... I would say most comfortable speed that fits into the normal distances. So like be very confident about what you're doing. Don't get yourself into something that might be a little bit too tough for yourself. Like don't be too hard on yourself and on your horses. And then I would just maybe even with someone on the ground, just like go for a little bit of a bigger distance, speed up your horse very softly. Like don't run over it. Don't think that extended gates or anything about speed. It's just about adapting your horse's stride to the bigger distances or to the longer distances and then just do it carefully do it do this speed up process slowly of course you're not slow but like speed up just a tiny bit and maybe a little more and just figure out the good way to find your speed your extended gait and of course what always works well is if you don't have your line your Pulls on a straight line, if they go a little bit around the corner, you can have, for example, in the middle of the pool, you can have the proper distance for the normal lobe, and then on a little bit more on the outside, you can try with a little bit more speed, and you just figure out how far to the outside do I need to go, how much speed do I know, just try things out and just be, which to me, is the most important thing about the trail. Don't get emotional. Don't get stressed out. Just try things and try them again and try them a little different and find your way to do it.
0: I think that's actually a very nice last sentence, but I don't want to wrap things up just now. We've been talking about like an hour about trail because we're crazy (laughs) horse people. So it's normal. I think we could probably go on for days and you just said a very nice last sentence, but I actually wanted to ask you for one last thing one last piece of advice one last aspect about trail you'd like to add without any question from me just something you'd like to say it's kind of like
1: what i just said don't take your emotions on your horse with you don't get frustrated it's like if something doesn't work out maybe even get off your horse and try again 20 minutes later or i see people get really frustrated when something doesn't work out it's not just in the trail but it's especially in the trail and it's something I mentioned in the very beginning, I think, of our conversation here. Most of the time, changing up your line, your speed, your approach, just a tiny bit might end up leading you to a completely different result. So, for example, if you have like the like a wheel in the lobe, and you do the f- the first, I don't know, first two quarters, you do really well. And then on the third quarter, you always get too far out or too far in. or Most of the time it's because you make a little mistake before that already, but you don't really feel it. And then you get frustrated at this third quarter of the of the wheel, instead of thinking, okay, maybe it's in the second quarter. So just like, instead of doing it a million times, do it two or three times, and then just like take a break Stand still, think about what can I change? If I'm too far out on the on the third part of the wheel, maybe I'm too far in on the second part. It's very often like this like small things that you just change in your approach. In this case, you're in this case, you're already in the maneuver, but still you go in, you do the first quarter, it's fine. You do the second quarter. It's okay. And then in the third, it might not work out well. So, you may not have to change anything about the third quarter. It might be a little earlier. It might be the approach of the first, second, third poll whatsoever. Just take time and figure things out or get some help, get some eye on the ground. Who's like, okay, hey, maybe you can change it up a little bit maybe you can change your line a little bit. I've been thinking about this before we started. Um, you know, there's this line like practice makes perfect. And it really is not true. It's thinking about how do I practice this and what can I change in my practice? So it's actually a perfect practice that makes perfect. I know it's, it's an old stupid lie, but it's so true. Just don't get stuck, think, change your ways and you might end up with a very nice result.
0: I think that's actually a very smart thing to say because I always feel like people interpret the line, practice makes perfect, like something, do it over and over again, and it will Mm -hmm. work out. And that's just not true. You need to think about it. You need to have a plan. And you probably sometimes need to take a step back and reflect on what you're doing. And if that even is the right plan, or maybe you should try something else. So very, very smart remark.
1: Amen, sister.
0: Thank you so much for your expertise. Thank you for joining me. I'm so glad we could make this happen. I'm so glad my schedule finally had like a a slot for you. My bad, I know it's quite packed um, in my calendar, but I really (laughs) enjoyed it. (laughs) I really enjoyed (laughs) it. I enjoy your expertise and I actually always enjoy getting your perspective and your insight on the trail. I hope everybody else enjoys it as well. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, thank you, Leonie, and I'm looking forward to seeing you on the end of the month.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I always, I always <laughs> tell that people right that I that are actually looking forward to seeing them. And <laughs> I didn't tell you, but I always tell you in private, so you know. It's I, it's fine
1: for for I mean, the record we, we and and, the and for the public. <laughs> i'll get on your nerves yeah
0: and for the public and for the record i really hope to see arne again soon and i'm looking forward to it and i love him very much
1: it's just a bit over a week so it's very soon
0: (laughs) that's right thank you yeah thank you so much